Today's debut episode of the Gaucho Nine podcast is proudly presented by UCSB Athletics. I am your host, Kevin Cannon. What we have for you today is a conversation with the 2015 weekend rotation, which consisted of Shane Bieber, Dylan Tate, and Justin Hakame. We'll dive into some memories of that regular season, the importance of the pitcher-catcher relationship, and of course, the pro ball experience. Well, I'm going to be candid with you right now because I feel like I just hit my first home run or I flashed 90 on the radar gun for the first time because most of you know that I've been calling gaucho baseball games on the radio for the better part of the last six years. And after two months of no baseball, with the season being cut short due to COVID-19, I cannot express to you how happy I am to be talking about gaucho baseball and sharing that joy with you. And I hope you are just as excited to tune in. Well, this is a new endeavor for myself, and I consider it a big step in my career as a broadcaster and a presenter. And I'm very, very happy to represent this proud program. I'm just about as critical of my craft as any of the players and coaches that we'll talk to in the coming weeks. So I urge you to reach out with any constructive criticism so we can make this podcast the best that it can be. So, with that being said, let's hear from Shane Bieber, Dylan Tate, and Justin Hockamay. It's time to take the field with the Gauchos. And the 1-2 coming up to Cohen. Here it comes. Swung on and hit to deep right field. This one is down the line. This one is gone. The Gauchos have won the game. A walk-off. on it is Jew. He's at the wall. He leaps, and he just pulled it back. Tommy Jew has just run. This is built into deep right. Back on it is Campbell. It is gone. It's a walk-off grand slam for Kyle Johnson. And Armani belts it to deep center. This is hit a ton. Barry Hill's back. He's going to watch it fly. No balls, two strikes. The pitch. Breaking ball. Caught strike three. Built into left center. Back on it is Ledford, still going back. He's at the track. He goes into a leap, bangs against the wall, and brings it down. There's the pitch. And a breaking ball is hit back up the middle in the center field, a base hit. And the score is due. Here comes Mitchell. He's going to score. Paul Mueller ties the game here in the top of the ninth inning with two outs. And a breaking ball is hit on the ground. Willow has it, and he throws across. And the Gauchos are the 2019 champions of the Big West. Today is a great day. A great day, gentlemen. It's uh, it's Mother's Day, and you are tuned into episode one, the debut episode of the Gaucho 9 podcast. My name is Kevin Cannon, and I mean, where else do we begin? I have three guests today, and they are... Well, they're studs. They're pitchers. They are gaucho legends. And the first one I want to introduce, 2015 fifth-round pick of the Florida Marlins, Miami Marlins. I don't remember who they were in 2015. Uh, out of Redlands, California. He was the ninth all-time with 20 career wins. He was 196 career Ks, eighth all-time. 2015 second-team All-Big West, current Director of Operations with the Gauchos, Justin Hockamay, coming to us uh, from his parents' house, looks like. Yep, in Redlands. Thank you for having me, Kev. 
Appreciate it. Justin Hawkman. And then uh, let's introduce our second guest, 2015 fourth overall pick for the Texas Rangers out of Claremont, California. Second all-time in career ERA at UCSB, 2.16. Seventh in saves with 12. He was a 2014 second-team All-Big West selection, 2015 first-team All-Big West, 2015 second-team All-American, made his Major League debut this past summer uh, with the Baltimore Orioles. Welcome to the pod, Dylan Tate. Kevin Cannon, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate you. Dylan Tate, it's good to see your face. I haven't seen you in a while, but uh, good to have you on. And then uh, our last guest, certainly not least, 2016 fourth-round pick out of Laguna Hills, third all-time with 23 career wins, second all-time with 237 career Ks, fifth all-time in career ERA, 2.73, through over 300 career innings as a gaucho, 2015 second-team All-Big West, 2016 first-team All-Big West, 2016 second-team All-American. He was a Major League All-Star, All-Star Game MVP, fourth in Cy Young voting last season with a 15-8 record, made his major league debut May 31st, 2018. Shane Bieber, welcome to the pod. Hey, C. Thanks for having me. Good to see you guys. All right, so we got you guys together because we wanted to talk about that 2015 season, an exciting season, especially in, in Gaucho baseball history and Gaucho athletics because it was the first year – that Gaucho Baseball hosted a regional. You guys went 40 and 17. You had one tie in there. And going through it with the staff and coming up with some podcast ideas, I mean, what better way to start things off than, than talk about this great pitching staff? And we'll get to some other names that are not on this podcast that probably deserve to be here as well. But you guys were the three headed monster. You all three threw over 100 innings each that year. Uh, you averaged at least seven innings per start, and you had the, the lowest ERA in team history, 2.45, which was good for third nationally that season. And Hakame, I want to start with you because you were kind of the veteran. You had pitched in a regional before at Oregon State, but what was kind of just the general vibe of that staff in 2015? I mean... Given that there was only like six of us that threw the majority of the innings, I mean, obviously us three, it was it was a lot different than the years prior just because we had to rely on more arms back then. But with us having a lot of experience, having the strength, the knowledge, the just being able to be able to pick each other up, I mean, that's what I feel like led us to be able to do what we did that year and, I mean, accomplish what we accomplished as well. Yeah, Tate. The, the, in 2014, you were you were a closer. I mean, that's where you racked up all your saves. It was in 2014. Way, sorry to interrupt, but did you say oh. Tate was a second team All Big West in 14? He that's correct. First all team? Second team. That's unbelievable. Second team All Big West in 2014. Yeah, there's a lot of good players. <laughs> uh, Big West is no joke, that's for sure. But I mean, I remember that year, and if we, I mean, I felt like you had a ton of one plus inning saves. Anytime you get a lead, Texas would get a little nervous. Here comes Dylan Tate in the game, and it was locked up. So I can't believe, I can't believe it was second team All Big West. But that's 2014. I guess we're here to talk about 2015. 
Yeah. Well, you, yeah. It, you're in a bill. Start start with 2014 because you came in as walk on and you were. I mean, I remember all you guys when you were skinny runs, but 2014, you you come up with this pitch. I don't remember what if it was a slider or a cutter, but no one could hit it. Oh. Yeah, I was just I was just kind of gripping that thing and ripping it. Uh, I needed a, a breaking ball at the time, and it was the breaking ball that I was you know closest to figuring out. But it ended up turning into a slider, and and then it was a pitch that worked for me. So talk about the transition from going to a, a starter from being a closer the previous year, like. Was it something that you were pursuing, or was it something that the coaching staff put upon you uh, because of what we could have had or the potential of the staff with you as a starter? I don't think originally it, it was supposed to shake out with me being a starter. I I remember being in a scrimmage, and the games were getting ready to start, and Dom Mazik got hurt. FedEx was asking if I was uh, feeling fit enough to start. And I said, yeah, I'm not scared. We'll go up there and do it. And it was just one good start just led to another. Yeah, Don Mazza, he's a name that will probably be featured prominently uh, in this pod because of the season that he had in 2015. But let's get to Shane because Justin and Dylan were juniors. Shane was the sophomore, so he was the, the young guy on the weekend rotation and coming off of a good freshman campaign, but you really asserted yourself as a starter pitching mostly on Sundays in this year, but talk about the 2015 season for you, Shane. Yeah, that was a fun one. Um, obviously I was a little bit younger than these guys, so it was cool to learn from them on Friday and Saturday. Right. Uh, and then by the time Sunday came around, uh, I felt like our opposing staff, they were like, Oh my God, like, uh, you know, another guy that could throw three pitches for strikes. And then obviously, like I said, I learned from them and their starts prior, um, figured out what these teams, what these hitters individually didn't like, and then uh, just tried to pick pick up as much as I could from them. But it was fun. Um, by, like I said, by the time Sunday rolled around, everybody was tired and uh, I could kind of pick up the scraps, I guess, so to speak. Well, that's been the beauty of the good gaucho pitching staffs over the last few years is that there's a quality starter on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and I, mean, I really think it started with with you three. Let me run through some of the numbers here real quick. So 2.45 team ERA, that was third in the NCAA. Bieber had a 2.24 ERA. Tate was 2.26. Hakame, 2.70. All three of you pitched more than 100 innings, so three guys with 100-plus innings with ERAs under three. And then Dom, he had 77 innings, 2.69 ERA. Strikeout to walk ratio was eighth. Whip was fifth. Dylan was 17th in whip nationally. He was 13th in hits allowed. Bieber was eighth in walks per nine. Shocker. And then the 475 team strikeouts was third all time in school history. And Dylan's 111 strikeouts was sixth all-time in school history. So just, just gaudy numbers put up by the staff. 16-8 in the Big West, uh, which was good for second place, and, of course, the regional hosts at Lake Elsinore. Justin and I, before you, before Shane and Dylan came on, we were talking about some, some particular games, and this is what I wanted to get into because 
the moments that we forget or that the the viewers don't know about is those little moments on the field or how you were feeling leading into a start or those the interaction with the catchers. And I think Campbell Ware, sensational catcher, one of the greatest of all time, obviously the best flow without question. Justin was talking about the Oregon game where he was he was pitching on Sunday in that series. It was early on in the season and I think the Ducks had won the first two games of the series, so the Gouchers were trying to salvage the game. You were maybe in the eighth inning, and there was a moment where you were you needed to step up and get a big out. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That is right. <clears throat> that is right. Because I was, I had bases loaded, I didn't know outs. I don't remember exactly how I got the outs, but I remember the last out was, I think Newell Cam Newell was playing left field, and he caught the last out. All I remember is the entire dugout. He, he's screaming and that was the first time I think I ever screamed out loud as, as loud as I could in front of like everyone at Caesar Wasaka so that was awesome I'll never forget that you Shane or Dylan you, you guys have a particular game that you remember that maybe stood out for you like it was a moment where maybe if you're if it's Dylan's case where it's like okay I, I can do the starter thing like this is something real or if it's yeah Shane, where you're like, all right, like I'm, I'm pitching on the weekends, and and this is where I want to be. Yeah, um, I, I have generally repressed those Oregon series memories because I didn't do too well, but I know these guys absolutely dominated those guys, um, from year to year. So I remember that Hawk. I remember that seeing you actually show some emotion out there. That was wild. Um, mm-hmm. Campbell, no stranger to yelling or getting pumped up, but it was cool to see you get fired up. Um, I feel like uh, you kind of already mentioned it, uh, Kev, was Hawaii. It was in Hawaii um, near the end of the year. Tate threw a no-no. He, he went like, what, seven innings, no hitter, no hits. Um, Hawk shoved. I did well. Did we uh, – I can't remember our series outcome, but I felt like – I remember I saw a graphic from just like our three outings back to back to back. Um where it was pretty, the numbers were pretty absurd. So at that point, I was like, damn, you know, we got some talent on this staff right now, and this is fun, a lot of fun to be a part of. Dylan, do you remember that that start at Hawaii? Because he went seven, no no hit ball, but but came out probably because of pitch count. And it was hot. I remember that game. Yeah, I remember that game because I had, um, I had like messed up like my, my trap or in the way that and I got back on the bump when we were in Hawaii and um I just I just remember that game you know it's it's Hawaii so their fans are always you know loud and you know they're you know talking smack so that that was the game that stuck out the most for me was that series and just that entire weekend um everybody I uh, did we get that sweep, or did I want to take... say we did? Yeah, everybody, took... everybody hard. No, we took two or three. Oh, we took two or three because the game I threw, we lost one nothing, and uh, give the one run in the ninth inning. I was like, uh, the only run. I was upset about that, but no, it was a good series all around, though. How come a complete game, five hits, one earned run, seven strikeouts, no walk, and a losing effort on Saturday <laughs> at Hawaii? Tough one. I don't know if that was your toughest loss, though. Not my toughest loss. I remember exactly what my toughest loss was. 
Are you guys like me where you remember the losses better than the wins? Uh, 100%. 100%. Those ones stick with me, man. Yep. Same. <laughs> I mean, Irvine got me good. <laughs> oh, Irvine got me good a couple times. Yeah, we've Irvine had some, some legendary series with, with UCI. And this in this season, Gauchos swept the, the Anteaters second to last series of the year at home. We swept oh, yeah. that. Did we? The 10 5, then there was an 11 inning game on Saturday. Hakame. The were looking real good this year. Hakame, you gave up 12 hits in that game. And Chris <laughs> Clements came in. Chris Clements, quiet, good year here in 2015. Very quiet. Mm. But he yeah, was solid. Look, he, Chris Clements, he had solid stuff, and he could. He always was locating. I feel like at a good height, like he was putting that ball knee height. I feel like on a routine basis. I was yeah. Like, how can you not get out like that? And he did. You know what's wild? What's wild is he. Uh, you're absolutely right. He was always pitching well, but he just finished playing ball now. Uh, because he transferred. To, he was a graduate. Um, player at University of Portland, right? That's right. He's one of those guys. He, I felt like he was in uh, playing D one for six plus. He got his uh, got two degrees now out of it. Good for him. It's tough yeah. for him to see that. And his his numbers at, at Portland were exceptional. He was were they? he was dominating. Yeah. Okay, so we have a fifth member joining the pod right now. Just jumped in. Uh-oh. Checks. What's up? This. Oh boy, what's going on, guys? What's Head up, coach Andrew Check. It's this is your 2015 staff. Yeah, I wasn't listening to the first 30 minutes, so they can talk all the crap they wanted. Uh, <laughs> we got we got to get Arv. Anybody get him? No, he'll talk uh, I... the most crap. <laughs> 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 well, good. Then we can talk about him. Yeah, we can just. <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> Well, like, who, who would, so who who would uh who did these guys learn the most from? Did they learn the most from Checks, or did they learn the most from Harv? That's the question. As soon as I hang up, there's another right answer. You asked this five minutes ago. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'd say definitely <laughs> Checks. Right answer, Truthfully. Gabe. Right answer. Truthfully. I love you. You're my favorite. <laughs> well, checks. One question I wanted to ask is: Is this the best staff that you ever had as a coach? Because oh. you've had some good ones in the past. Yeah, at Oregon, at UCR in 2019, they were no slouch. But 2015, they were something special. Yeah, there, there's been. I think probably four staffs that really stick out in terms of the, the production and performance. And it was the 2007 staff at Riverside that had Joe Kelly and James Simmons, who was a first round pick. And, and Mark Zepchensky pitched in the big leagues for, gosh, about 10 years. Um, and then, uh, oh, well, our 13th staff obviously was, was very good, but in terms of draft picks, and, and then there's two big leaguers on this call right now and an MLB all star. So, I mean, if you backed me into a corner, this one, the, the 10 to 12s, I'm sorry, the 07 staff, 
was pretty good. Uh, the last time I had to Oregon, I had Tyler Anderson, Scott McGuff, we're both Team USA guys, and one was a first rounder and big leaguer. And so I think all in the same range, a little bit different. I think in terms of a, a just pure starting staff, uh, this was the best one because of the, you know, I mean these guys, these guys threw 80% of the innings that year. It felt like I'm not to look at the math, but it's they were out there. I'd hand them the ball and so see and half out. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the the other stats were good, but maybe our those seven one at uh, Riverside was good with. You know, Joe Kelly was out of the pen, but the third starter, you know, we had some guys bounce around there. The bullpen was maybe a little bit deeper. Um, and then the uh, the staff in uh, 15 had, you know, it was really starter starter heavy. Um, so I, I was well, from a starting, starting rotation, yes. Long-winded answer to, I would say yes on the starting rotation. And just like Beebs said he learned the most from me, I'll, I'll say that these guys were the best because we're on the phone yeah. right now. There you go. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I was hoping for that answer. <laughs> exactly. There you go. You know what? I had to work, been... work through it in my brain, though. <laughs> that staff this year was about to do, though. Um, you guys were off to a real good start. You guys were pitching, pitching super well. Yeah. Yeah, three good starters. You know, a real back-end guy. Uh, at the end, which is again kind of similar to that 15 staff with you know, three real, four real starters. I guess, yeah, that puts Mazda puts you guys over the top. Over the top. I forgot about so, Dom and yep. 15. So yeah, you guys are way over the top now with Mazda. So, um, but similar. And then you get Nellie in the pen. So that one was that one was special. Um, this one was starting to shape up like that. Now I, I think you guys all would like to do what they got to do, which is throw under the lights and the cold with the marine layer coming in. Yeah. So that would have shaved a little bit off the ERA. We would have been talking about sub-2 ERAs instead of sub-3 ERAs. Yeah. yeah, I think the guys, I don't remember what balls you guys were throwing, though. I think you guys were throwing the higher seam baseballs, right? Yeah. You didn't go to the minor yes. league ball until after that? Mm -hmm. No, I think I had the minor league ball in 2015. Did we? Okay. I can't, yeah, I can't remember when that series was. I have no idea. Can anyone confirm? I just remember the seams. The seams were like mountains, and I loved it. Yeah, that was yeah. So the the 19 staff would be able to say yeah, but we had to throw with the low seam balls. So that's that makes all the difference. The height of seams. <laughs> that's, that's talking pitching right there. Height of seams. Yeah, but that, you know, that 16 year when the World Series year, I don't think we we didn't play a single night game in the postseason. Um, I think the Washington game ended up finishing up at night, but it, yeah, we played very few, very few night games that year because we didn't have any home. And I think the way the, the our road trip worked out, we were at maybe Northridge and Davis, which didn't have lights, and played Pepper High a couple times. So. Um, I think those guys, those guys had to do it too with a lot of day games. And we all know Caesar's a little more offensive during the day. Makes it even more impressive. You know, Shane was the only weekend starter who didn't wear goggles. Oh. So what? What? What was it? How come Shane didn't wear goggles? But you had you had 
you had Tate and you had Hakame uh, out there wearing goggles. Was that part of their secret? For sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I know. Well, I know when Tate had the wrong prescription, and we we'd have some sign issues and the eighty-seven <laughs> mile an hour cutter with the ninety-eight mile an hour heater cross-ups. Not a whole lot of fun for Campbell Ware. So yeah, he had to, he hey, had to. Hey, I wearing think, goggles. I think Hockam. I think Hockam did it for style. I think you know he was just trying to look tough for Tate. I think did it because he couldn't see. <laughs> that was always that was always my cop out if I ever uh, missed missed a sign, especially a night one. <laughs> hey, did yeah. you have LASIK? Still no, no LASIK. No, none. Contacts? I saw I saw you oh. were no go no goggles this year, right? They just fog up too much, Tech. So I had to I had to let them go. <laughs> Control your breath a little bit. <laughs> I, mean, I, I sweat easily. I don't. It's not going to help. <laughs> I want to plug Campbell Ware here because I mean, he, he's at all the alumni games. He's he's texting me all the time. He's following the games online, and he had great flow. Jax, can you speak towards Campbell Ware as a catcher and how he handled this staff? Yeah, he was the first the first guy that I'd ever really really turned over game calling to um that year so i don't i had always called the games and then he you know he, he picked it up that year and you know, i always joke with him a lot of it had to do with the guys you were catching because you just throw a sign down and close your eyes and put your glove up um because the guys were could hit his glove and they had good stuff and, you know, a lot of guys especially when when tate was throwing really fall over the wipeout slider and there's not a lot of wrong wrong picks but you know, Justin and Beebs at that point were, right. you know, basketball command guys, you know, 88 to 91, and the location mattered a lot at that point in their careers, and Campbell was really able to work a game and work with Coach Hart, you know, the pregame plans, and then go out and execute it, and every once in a while he'd look in the dugout and look for a little bit of help. It was probably about scoring, scoring position. I think that year we... I don't know how many stolen bases we gave up, but I think it was under 15. And a lot of it had to do with a lot of guys not getting to first base, but when they got there, they had to hug the bag. This game was, was scary from a, a throwing standpoint. So I thought that made the pitching staff better. His feel for the game, his ability to receive, shutting down the running game, and then just from a tempo perspective. So the, the two best years we've had ERA-wise, um, either that's, that's, that's a knock on me and Harv, or that just says a lot for those two guys and how powerful that is when the the batteries in control and moving moving the game along. Something about Campbell is he always brought that energy. You know, um, he's got a, he's a special guy. Um, I haven't met a person that has met Campbell and doesn't like him. So he's he's so charismatic. The guys rally around him, and he's just easy to to play with and easy to root for. So when you're on the same page with him as a pitcher, you know, sixty feet away. Um, and you guys are just totally locked in together, and he's calling exactly what you want to throw. You guys are just working simultaneously. There wasn't much better feeling than that. Um, and really kind of what Chex just said, like 14, 15, 16, and I went from Jackson Morrow to Campbell Ware to Dempsey Grover, three exceptional catchers. Um, and, you know, a pitcher will tell you, uh, extremely special to have a guy 
that's talented, knows how to call a game, and, and knows how to work with you. And I, I was fortunate enough to have three of those guys. So um, it means a lot. And in 15, Campbell did an unbelievable job. Yeah, we had a, we had a special streak going back there uh, between mm-hmm. those three guys over that three or four year period. Um, and it was defense. It was defense first. Those guys were, you know, they weren't in there for offense. And it says a lot about Campbell. He got he got drafted after hitting I think 190. So it says a lot about how good he was yeah. defensively and what people thought of him from a scouting standpoint on the defensive side. Even though you know the bat was light, but all three of those guys were. This guy's making Pittsburgh staff better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with Campbell, I mean, I was, I trusted him so much, knowing that he would block anything I threw in the dirt, knowing that he would catch anything. I mean, there were t- there was a time. I mean, for Jackson Morrow, he would obviously do the same thing, and he was, uh, he was he was hard back there. But like he would, he caught a ball at one time that was barehanded, and I'm pretty sure Campbell Ware did the same thing too during <laughs> one of my games. It was unreal. I think I crossed him up or something, and I threw a high fastball, and he was expecting something in the dirt. Just branded it, you know, something like that. Dude, I remember that. Yeah. Campbell, Campbell did it because he had to, but Jackson did it because he was crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jackson would block in flat grounds and in between innings. You know, yeah. he, just, he was so programmed yeah. to, to do it. He'd be over there blocking some guy bouncing breaking balls and flat ground work. Mm-hmm. Even you, when you, tell, hey, you don't you, you don't need to do that. You just got like, I can't. That's the only way I can react. He's, he's so trained. <laughs> yep. Just shows his mentality back there. It was, it was fun, to, fun to play catch with. All of our catchers, though, they had that, they had that mentality about them. But I think um, not only was it, you know, the culture that we had at Santa Barbara, but I think just the individuals that we had back there, too. I mean, I, growing up with, Jackson and Campbell in the program, they were just no nonsense type catchers. So, but I mean, ultimately, with having them both, I just felt like I was always, it was always comfortable to throw to them. And I felt it was easier to throw to them when you have somebody back there that's just going to lay it out, lay it all out there on the line. And all of our team was like that, but it becomes especially different you have to catch a relationship. So throwing to those guys has definitely, um, that's definitely helped me be in the position that I'm at now. So I'm I'm just really thankful for those guys that I've had in the program. Absolutely. And you know what's what's, uh, underrated about Campbell is he spent some time as a pitcher. Um, Yes. so that that was a little bit of extra added value. Uh, he was jumping around there. Uh, you, I believe he was first a catcher, then he went to pitcher, then a catcher, correct? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was something like that. He was he came in yeah. as a, he was a catcher in high school. The Bronx and uh, Tom Irish recruited to convert to a pitcher, so he right. pitched first. We had somebody get injured. He went back to catch, and then next, I think we just kept bouncing back and forth. Um, yeah. Because, you know, there's obviously catchers, they understand pitchers and, and what they're doing and what they're trying to achieve. But Campbell knew it from a different perspective because he'd been through it um, at least for, for a little bit. And so, um, you know, he was ultra familiar with how pitchers felt out there on the mound and what and, you know, he did as best as he could to, to help us kind of acclimate to different situations and scenarios. So 
that was something that I forgot about personally uh, until somebody, I forget who, but uh, we were reminiscing like a week ago as we generally do. And somebody brought up that Campbell was a, a pitcher for a while. And, uh, you know, I found that extremely valuable. Yeah, and that might have been the part that put him over the edge as a pitch caller, game manager. Yeah, absolutely. Coach Chex, thanks for, for jumping in and and giving these guys some heat. Yeah, thanks for jumping on, guys. Good to, good to see you all, all in one place. And hopefully we'll get through all this here uh, in the Appreciate next few it. months and you guys can get back to doing your thing. So good luck when that happens. And Akame, I'll see you in the office at some point in the next eight months, hopefully. Yes, you will. <laughs> <laughs> see you guys. Appreciate it, Chex. Yeah. Be well. See you, Chex. All right, head coach Andrew Check. It's a little surprise for you guys. Hope that was okay. I thought that was pretty good. That was fun talking about talking about catchers and, and the relationship between pitcher and catcher. I mean, it's so essential. But I just want to I want to jump into pro ball because you guys all experienced it. Two of you uh, pitching the big leagues, still pitching in the big leagues. And uh, let's start with Justin because you were a fifth round pick. And just on the personal level, it just really you know, kind of didn't work out for you, but you had that experience, and I think you valued it, and now you're back in Santa Barbara uh, in a Gaucho uniform again. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate everything that, I mean, Pro Ball did for me. It taught me a lot, gave me new experiences, gave me new friendships and all that. Um, it was fun while it lasted. I mean, uh, I mean things come and go, but uh, I'm, I'm happy to be back with the UCSB staff, and, I mean, Seeing the game on the other side, on the staff side, I mean, learning as much as I can from the staff right now, it's it's awesome to see what it takes to build the program. I mean, as a player, you don't see everything that goes on behind the scenes. So being the boy was very interesting because, I mean, I would I would just come, show up, do my thing, get my work in, go play, and every single day it felt like the same. But uh now that I'm part of the staff, I mean, seeing the game from a different, a different perspective is uh, very enjoyable, and I'm, I'm fortunate to be, be with the UCSB staff now. All right, so Dylan, so fourth overall pick uh, with the Rangers back in, in 2015, but you've been traded a couple times, and I think that's a unique experience because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really happen in business. It doesn't really happen in a lot of different lines of work. It's, it's fairly unique, but can you – describe your experience of playing in the minor leagues, making it to the big leagues and, and having to go through a couple of different organizations. Yeah. Uh, so initially when I first got into pro ball, I, I got off to a decent start and then I hit, it kind of taught me to dig a little bit deeper and I was just getting pulled in so many different directions as far as, you know, teaching goes, because, you know, I was, I was a little out of whack and I needed help to get back on the right track. Ultimately, one of the things that I learned about this game is that you're going to be your best teacher and so are your teammates. You and your teammates are going to be your best teachers. Once I, once I started to learn that, kind of settle in a little bit more to what it is that I do and what I do well, I was able to, you know, build a little bit of momentum for myself. So now I'm, I'm just trying to uh, basically start over with it all, keep it up, if you will. So 
it, it was good though. All of it was good, and I, I wouldn't change any of it. Any of the parts where I struggled and all of the failures that I had, because uh, I mean, it's it's helped me all get to this point. And now, just keep working because I'm trying to make a career out of this and build a home up at the big league level. Can you do you remember your big league debut? Can you describe the day or your excitement level and, and, and what happened in the game? Yeah, so I remember I came in and we were we were down five one. I think it was it was maybe the sixth inning that I came in. We were at Co Park. Such a such a beautiful park to make your debut. Um I had only seen it on T V. Close to home too, huh? Yeah, and the, the cool thing about it was uh, I got called up and we were in Anaheim and then we made the bus drive down to um, San Diego. So that was that was one of the best big league experiences I think that I've had is just being able to share that moment of getting called up, um, you know, at least in California, in Southern California. So that was great. But the, the date itself, Man, I remember warming up in the bullpen, and um, they were saying, like, hey, you're going in, and I was you know, taking tons of deep strikes myself down, and then it happened, and I'm I'm running through that center field, uh, you know, the fence, and I'm looking at all of Petco Park, and you see it from center field as you're running towards the mound, and... It's, you know, you have everybody on top of you and it's this moment where you're just thinking, this is it. And you get up there and I, man, I think, what did I do? The first batter I faced, I think I hit the first batter I faced. <laughs> you, you know, you got all the fans there. They're like, oh, and I'm like, oh, you know what? And I'm like, I oh, don't even worry about it. I'm like, I'll get the next guy. Didn't get the next guy. Didn't get the next guy after that. <laughs> I got out of my first inning because I, I just remember I had runners on first and second and I gave up a home run to Hosmer. And I remember looking at my um, looking at my catcher and I was just like, man, I, I got to I got to get on it right here or I'm coming out of this game. And I did not want to feel that in my very first big league you know appearance like having to come out so i i turned it up a little bit and i got two quick strikeouts and a ground out and it was at that moment where i said okay i can do this like right where i got my first out that's pretty good well so shane your first appearance was a start back in 2018 and i remember a bunch of the staff went out uh, to see it you had a bunch of family there it was in minnesota and you had you, you had a great minor league career. I mean, you flew up through the ranks, leading going into the your first start. It's a little different than coming out of the pen, I would assume, because you you have a little more time to to think about it. That was like the best worst day of my life. I don't know about you, Tate, but like it's one of those things. Obviously, you enjoyed every second of it, but I I'm so glad it's over and like you can move on and kind of store that memory and just have that for life. But like now you're a little more comfortable, right? You got that thing over with uh, those first original nerves. Like those were incredible. Just waking up that, that morning 
Um, and that was like the worst, that was the worst morning of my life. I woke up and instantly had sweaty palms. I was kind of freaking out. Um, next thing you know, flash forward, we get to the field. I start to feel a little bit more comfortable because you get in your routine, right? And, uh, and I had known for maybe three, four days. And I guess that gave guys enough time to get their flights booked to Minnesota, Minneapolis. Um, next thing you know, I'm warming up in the bullpen and I look up behind our bullpen catcher and I see like five, six heads. It was like Harvey, uh, and then two very familiar Joe Record, Dempsey Grover. Um, the Munos were there. My parents were there. And a couple of them, um, I wasn't going to name names, but I'll just say, yeah, Joe and Dempsey, um, a couple other guys, a couple of my former teammates were uh, a little bit intoxicated because they were pretty excited. And yeah, I was like a, I don't even know. I was in the middle. I felt like I was in the middle of the ring and only them were screaming at me. They were talking all this smack. So it kind of felt familiar. Um, it was honestly kind of, it was coming from a good place, but it was, it was fun to hear some friendly smack talk, um, from them. And then once I got out on the mound, um, I had a decent outing, uh, was doing well for like the first four, four or five innings. And then things kind of unraveled on me, um, as they can do up there. And, uh, you know, all in all, it's good outing. I, I'm excited that, uh, you know, I got to share it with a lot of people. Well, to to finish it off, cause I think, I mean, this is one of the it was one of the more exciting moments for for the Gaucho program was was watching Shane in the in the All Star game and and winning the the All Star game MVP. And I'm sure you've heard plenty about it, Shane. You're probably sick of talking about it, but but for the Gaucho fans out there, I mean, we want to hear your perspective real quick, and then and then Dylan and Justin's reactions. So. Just talk a little bit about the All-Star game and, and what it was like, just the whole experience. Yeah, that was another one of those. Uh, once I got out on the mound, I loved being there. I cherished every moment, but I wanted to get the hell off that mound, right? Like, I <laughs> like I wanted a clean outing as quick as possible. I just, like, take my take my experience, pack it up, and go. Um, I didn't care if it was, like, I've said this a couple times. Uh, I didn't care if it was, like, a combined exit velo of 400. But just give me like three straight line outs. I'm cool. Clean inning. Let's go home. But, uh, you know, fortunately it ended up being a little cleaner than that. And it was a special moment. And, um, obviously it was in Cleveland and the fans were there. And at one point they started, you know, chanting my name and I, I didn't know what was going on, but I, I was able to step back off the mound, experience that, take it all in for what it was worth and, um, really just enjoy it. And things, uh, things ended up working out. Um, and that was just an incredible weekend for me altogether. Obviously, I got added to the roster real late. Um, didn't know if I was going to pitch. All of a sudden, they told me, uh, Alex Core asked me if I wanted to pitch. I said, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll throw. I was a little bit. Um, from then on, I was. that's all I could think about. And uh, fortunately, it worked out. I mean, it was exciting to watch, man. I mean, it was cool because not only were you representing Cleveland, being Cleveland, but like, I felt like you were representing like all the gauchos too, all the gaucho pitchers with you. And seeing that stuff, man, was, oh, unbelievable. It was, it was fun to watch. Appreciate it, brother. Yeah. My um, my mom actually texted me as soon as the game was over, and you were named MVP. And I don't remember what I was doing, and 
I just remember I was like, he what? I was like, <laughs> what? And next thing I know, I you know, I'm I'm Googling it and I'm I'm looking at his inning and I'm just thinking to myself about how far it doesn't seem that long ago that I was with you guys and we were sweating outside in our gray pinstripe pants and holes in our socks and holes in the t-shirts even. So just to see, you know, the, the progress um, that somebody I know that close uh, has made is it's incredible to see because you're talking about the highest, one of the highest levels of baseball where it's just, the best players in the world are all on this field and you know somebody that you know is one of them and it's it's just crazy to see and then it goes uh, that that mimics uh, a lot of the the attitudes uh, for all the gauchos uh, the players coaches staff alums donors and and they, they feel the same way about about justin and dylan as well and all the gauchos who have worn uh, the uniform uh, over the last X amount of years. I mean, there's been a lot of great teams. And this 2015 staff, no slouch to themselves. They were pretty good. Any last words uh, that, you know, or what are you guys looking forward to the most uh, in this upcoming year or upcoming season that hopefully will happen or maybe next year? Like, any goals? Just, just, just a quick answer just to wrap up the pod. More punchies. More punchies, more zeros. There we go. I love that. That's right. <laughs> Same same answer. We're a sucker for the punchies. Yeah, one thing I will say, yeah, you're absolutely right. What Dylan was just touching on a second ago was all of us. It seemed like not that long ago we were just sweating on that mound, grinding after a you know five hour practice or whatever, just tamping that mound, trying to make that thing perfect for for a weekend series. Um, like tailoring it perfect for, hey, who's starting tomorrow? How do you want the mound? Like we're we're trying to get that thing just right, and uh, that was always funny. We were we were always scheming. Like Tate had a different preference on where where he wanted to land, and how we were we were so uh, meticulous in our mound work. And I'm just proud to see where where we've all come and and where we're gonna go because uh, you know we're just getting started all as individuals. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, just can't wait to see you guys. Uh continue your careers up there and hopefully we get more shows drafted and follow you up there as well. All right. That's Justin Hockamay, Dylan Tate, Shane Bieber. This is episode one of the Gaucho nine podcast. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining and taking time out of your mother's day to, uh, to join us. You want to say anything to your moms? Shout out mom. Love happy mom. mother's day to my mom. I already Love said you, mom. Hi today, <laughs> happy mother's day to her. All right, absolutely. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all your moms as well. Hope you guys are uh, having a good day. Same. Mm -hmm. Same. All right, I hope you all enjoyed that. It was a lot of fun for myself. Episode one of the Gaucho Nine podcast. Uh, Sorry about the timing for Mother's Day. If we had really plan this with some smart minds. We would have had this released on this Sunday, Mother's Day, or last Sunday, I should say. But shout out to the moms involved in this podcast, Christine Bieber, 
Lenora Tate, Robin Hakame, Michelle Checkets, and of course my mom, Joan Cannon. Happy Mother's Day. We love you all. Uh, a couple things to clean up. Shane Bieber, not the first gaucho to win All-Star Game MVP. If you remember back in 2006 in Pittsburgh, Michael Young was the first gaucho to win the All-Star Game MVP. And uh, some shout-outs to other gauchos that were mentioned or not mentioned in this pod. Dominic Mazza, who was in fact a first-team All-Big West selection this season, on the year, 6-1 and one record, he had two saves, 77 innings pitched, 2.69 ERA, 72 strikeouts, and just 26 walks. So Dom Mazza, a sensational year that year. Also, Kyle Nelson, in his freshman campaign, led the Gauchos with 25 appearances. He was 3-1, and one. he had two saves, and a .75 ERA. And remember how good Kyle was in the 2016 season, helping the Gauchos to the College World Series. Also, Chris Clements was mentioned in there. He was 3-0 in 17 innings. He had a 2.16 ERA. And then, not to be forgotten, Rob the Bob Nesevic. He was 1-0. He had six saves, with led, which led the team. He had 20 innings pitched uh, and a 2.70 ERA. And also, I just remembered, James Carter, at the beginning of the year, was putting on a show. He had five saves and seven appearances, but got injured in the Sacramento State Series early on and could not finish the year. He was well on his way to potentially having a record-breaking season as the Gaucho closer. Other shout-outs to Matt Harvey, who's now coaching at UC San Diego. His name was mentioned a couple times. Matt's doing great with his wife, Quinn, in San Diego. want to say hi to them. I do regret not talking more about the mound work because I do remember that these three guys were diligent in their mound work. And if anyone knows uh, the work that I do with, uh, with the field maintenance and my, my work study kids, I take a lot of pride in that, that game mound. And these guys were great examples of hard workers and with their craft, not only pitching, but also work in the clay. So uh, it was a lot of fun hearing Shane bring up that. It means a lot to me. So that'll do it for this pod next week on episode two, we will be talking data with the original director of baseball analytics at UCSB, Evan Short, and his protege, Tony Ortiz, both of which are now working in the AL East, Evan with the Blue Jays and Tony with the Yankees. So we'll dive into some a lot of fun stuff if you are a numbers nerd. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram and Twitter, UCSB underscore baseball. So That'll do it for the pod. We look forward to hearing you next Sunday. Take care.